0: Folks, if your financial professional tends to speak in terms of their industry jargon... Can be confusing, but it's important to have clarity, which is why I so recommend Arif Halaby of Total Financial Solutions. My wife Sue and I are Arif's clients because he provided us with such clarity. He is very knowledgeable and capable when it comes to reliable retirement income. Tune into Arif Halaby's show, The Total Financial Hour Sundays at 11 a.m. on AM 870. The answer. security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about finance. Hey folks, welcome to the program. Thanks for being with me. I'm Eric Halby on AM870 The Answer. Talking about your family's finances, hopefully getting out of debt, managing money, planning for your future. What's that all about? Well, uh, you know, you want to have a future, really, because, oh my, when you take a look at the markets this week, is it not scary? Let's start with that. Have you not seen the, uh, the ups and downs over the last... Well, gosh, not even this week. If we go back two, three weeks, you've trusted your life to whatever, your broker, your financial institution, the stock bond, mutual fund, whatever it is, and you put it in the market and you take a look and see, oh my word, how did I lose 15, 20, some folks 30%. Well, it doesn't happen overnight, does it? It happens because we've made choices as we move forward to have some or part of our money at risk. But most people say they're gonna put it all at risk because they they decide that one size must fit all. When I was thirty I should invest this way, when I'm forty, fifty, sixty, and seventy. Or the gentleman that called me this week, who is eighty. And he said, Eric, if I have seventy percent in the market, stock market, and thirty and percent in the bond market, and my broker thinks you know I'm properly balanced. I said, Oh gosh, okay, so uh, are, you, are you okay if the market goes down and it takes you uh, you know, 10 years to make your money back? Well, Eric, if it, it shouldn't take 10. I go, well, let's take a look. 2000, that was seven years before we made our money back. Or 2006, uh six, seven, eight, it took about six, seven years to make our money. Right? So maybe 10 years is a little long. Let's say seven years. So now you're from 80 years old, you go to 87 Right, then what happens? All of a sudden you go, well, what kind of money am I going to spend at 87? Right, probably not the same amount of money that you expect to spend at 67. And you're certainly not going to enjoy it the same way. I mean, maybe you need it for other things, of course. So I want you to follow through with some of this because the key to this part of your financial life is to make sure you're not making the same big mistakes. And or if you do... You have time to make it up. So, Total Financial Solutions. I'm Arif Hallaby, and uh, look, this is what we do at TFS Financial Insurance Services. Our job is to sit down to help you keep some or part of your money safe. I love it. You always know when you're doing something right when the big guys attack you. <laughs> you know. Uh, thankfully, I'm not as thin-skinned as I used to be. Right? I would get my feelings hurt. I'm, I'm like most of you. Like, oh gosh. But all of a sudden, they're doing uh, commercials. Oh, you don't want to lock in. I'm like, well, yes, you do. In fact, I'd prefer to lock in my gains. Uh, I lock my house. Or, you know, I don't want this guaranteed income. Well, I guess it's as guaranteed as long as the United States government stays in place or as long as uh, the AAA-rated companies stay in place, right? I, you know, it depends on where your guarantee's coming from. Do you think Social Security or your pension is guaranteed? Maybe. Probably not any more or less than some other financial choices you might have. So keep in mind, guys, that there is this thing called symbolism over substance. I'm going to divert for a minute, but I'll come back to this road. Just stay with me as I I try to make it so that you'll understand. When I say symbolism over substance, we've seen that a lot. In fact, when I was in high school, when I was in college and I was a Democrat and I sat there and I would listen to this stuff, I believed in it, right? Because Who doesn't want peace? Yeah, I want peace. We were taught the opposite of war is peace, and the opposite of peace is war. That's not true. The opposite of peace, unfortunately, is freedom. The opposite of war is totalitarianism. Right? It's fascism. The opposite of war. I'm not saying war is a good thing. Of course not. Come on. But you have to understand that sometimes you have to fight for your freedoms. And war can be different. It doesn't have to be uh, you know, missiles lobbed from the center of the United States to the center of the Soviet Union. That, that doesn't have to be just war. There's a cultural war. Bill O'Reilly covered it really well. Man, was he ahead of the, of the curve. In fact, this week I told my wife I really miss him on Fox. I, I do. I know he's on other stations and stuff. Uh, it's a convenience thing to not catch him as, as often as I used to. Man, when you when you think about the cultural war and the war against common sense, they're really trying to tell you that your mom is not your mom and just be okay with it. And you go, okay, well, I guess it's all right. You see evidence of symbolism over substance in your retirement accounts all the time because they'll say, oh, your pension is 82% funded. And you go, wow, 82, that's a B. That must, that's probably pretty good. I got Bs in college. That's good. I'll take it. You don't understand that that means that if you were expecting $1,000 a month, now expect eight hundred and you're going to be okay with that. If you want this to last forever, that percentage is the amount of dollars that you should be able to receive and let the pension continue to run out before it runs out. That's, that's what that number means. Somebody pulled me aside. I was speaking at an event the other day, he pulled me aside. He goes, Eric, it's different because as a teacher they can legally raise taxes i said you are right and he smiled i said until people vote out those people you're going to tell me you're going to tell me that a, a teacher who is a single lady 37 years old with two children her husband left gone died divorced i don't know he's he's just not there she's a teacher she has two minor children She's scrambling her life, right? Lunches in the morning, making sure the kids get ready to go to school. All the stuff that we have to do as parents that seem like it never ends. And then one day you're, you're sad because you miss it, right? That, that's the way it is. You tell me that you're going to go to her and say, hey, listen, as an employee, you're going to have to put in more money. And then as, a, as an individual, as a participant, as a taxpayer in the state, you're going to have to pay more money. So that that teacher that, that taught you 12 years ago, right, who remember she was in her mid 50s, 12 years ago she taught you, well, she's currently in Fiji. Just look at her Facebook page, she'll tell you. Or, or she's in Tahiti, and she's having a wonderful time. Her and her husband, and, and this year she decided to take all of her kids on a cruise. Just look at her Instagram. And there, you're going to tell that stay at home, uh, sorry, that single mom, with two children, that she's going to have to pay more money both as an educator and as a state taxpayer just to survive as she continues to try to pay down student loans so that somebody else can have a second or a third vacation just this this half of the year. Look, I'm not saying those people didn't deserve it or earn it. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying let's think reality for a second, you guys. I I, I just think that it's going to hurt people, and somebody's going to have to pay. I don't know who. It's not my, it's not my, uh, you know, it's not in my pay rank here. Symbolism over substance. Go to a gas station. What do you see? Uh, this has Prop 65. Cancer warning. Oh, okay. There are chemicals known to the state of California to cause cancer. Oh, gosh. Okay. Well, of course, you figure a gas station. Who doesn't think, oh, you can't have, you know, a nice, nice cup of unleaded for lunch. N- uh No. Right, you know that. But so what happens? They put those signs everywhere. Look, the signs are in your child's daycare. You just have to look for them. The the signs are in your restaurants. The signs are in grocery stores. The signs are in because everything that could potentially maybe sort of the bleach to clean this, the the chemical to to sweep down the, you know, wipe down the counters, the uh Uh, the detergent to wash the clothes, everything has some sort of chemical that when you triple dose it in a little tiny rat, it's going to probably kill it and have 18 tumors growing before Thursday. I I get it. And so, so instead of saying, well, we're going to make a difference, they did all of this money, all of this movement to make sure that the lawyers were taken care of. So they had another gotcha. So that in the, State of California, the Prop 65. So now there's, every, there's a sign everywhere. And, and listen, if everything is a problem, then nothing's a problem. It's just called the way it is. Right? To avoid a lawsuit, they put these signs everywhere. It's just like today. Everybody's calling everybody a racist. You're a racist. No, I'm a racist. She's a racist. She's a racist. And the value of that disgusting word should have had a, a, a link a meaning. It should have been that person's, let me tell you, show you what they did. Instead, they call everybody it all the time and it loses its meaning. It isn't valuable. Right? You you want to destroy somebody that used to be, uh, you know, calling them one name. Now it's calling them a racist before it was homophobic, right? Now it's racist. And that's why the appearance is everything. You know, look at Hollywood. Look at all of us, really. Being an individual is no longer valid, right? Right. My, I have, I have kids all uh, between 19 and 24 years old, and they're so funny because they'll, they'll tell me things like, so, Dad, what do you think about getting a tattoo? I said, it's not for me, right? They don't ask that question as if they're not thinking about it or somebody brought it up to them or who knows. I said, what used to happen... Was tattoos meant something? Oh yeah, Dad, they still mean something. I go, well, I'm sure they do for some people, right? But if you were World War II and you had an anchor on your on your forearm, and the dates, or the ship that you were on, or you were in Pearl Harbor, those things matter. Vietnam, you had something on your on your bi, bicep, right? There was a moment in time something happened, it mattered, and you go, wow. And now what do you have? If people that have cartoon characters, <laughs> I'm sure they're important, right? I guess, because you spent the time and money to get it done. But it isn't the same as, as a World War II or a Vietnam or, a, or a Desert Storm, where you would look and say, well, well, that tattoo means something to that person. And we would all say, you know, maybe I wouldn't get one or maybe you wouldn't. But man, it means a lot. it's that's, that's, that's Today, everybody has them. So being an individual is like not having one. Right? Dad, I, I want to do this. Everybody's doing it. It's my individuality. Like, well, I, I hope you understand that the, the point of this is things that used to mean something, that used to matter, when they are permeating the system, they no longer have the same value as everybody matters, as it always matters. Right? Think of it like this. You now care what Google and Yelp and these online reviews—you care what other people say? I can't imagine it. Say, hey, what do you want to go to do? Well, let me see what Yelp says. Are you are you kidding me? What what is it? What do I care about some stranger's taste buds or their level of patience for service or their ability to have their water, you know, cup filled in a timely manner? I, I, I don't know. But if they're very eloquent and they leave a long paragraph. Man, oh man, they must have more credibility. It reminds me of those days when you used to scream and yell and hold a sign and you'd say, well, well, they must be serious because look how passionate they are. They must be right. They hold so much passion because they are screaming and they super duper believe it. Not kind of believe it. And so today, people come to me with financial stuff, and they say, "I really, really, really think I'm going to be able to retire." Okay, you have seventy-five thousand dollars. You're fifty years old, and you want to retire at sixty, and you want to you want to live from this account. You want to live on forty thousand dollars a year. Not going to happen. Well, yeah, but I, I'm just gonna. We're just going to see how it works. We're just going to make it happen. Okay, making it happen is not what you're doing. So if you want to make something happen. Believe it or not, you have, it's, that's an action word. It's not a feeling word. So making something happen is you physically doing something. Look, retirement is about a lot of things. And one of those things that is not about is how you feel. Right? It's a math problem. Now, afterwards, if you feel like you want to or don't want to retire, okay, that's fine. My job isn't the feelings part. It's the math. So I can tell you, yes, the math will give you this much per month. Or the math will not give you this much per month. Because what happens is the more you scream and yell, or the more eloquent you are, or if if Yelp or Google, I don't know what they call it. I saw something the other day where somebody was trying to, to tell me we should go to this restaurant. And it said, I don't know if it was a verified user or authorized user user or, or you know, super duper contributor or something like that, right? It, it takes you and puts you at a little bit higher than everybody else, meaning Man, your opinion probably really, 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 really matters. And so the comments section is everything. Suddenly everyone's opinion matters and it's supposed to be equal, regardless of the actual expertise. Look, it started where we would have these cooking shows and you would have novice cooking people and you would have experts that own restaurants, sometimes multiple restaurants. They are experts with multiple cookbooks. They know what food is supposed to taste like. They know what it's supposed to look like. And so the contestants prepare, people eat, the, the judges eat it, and they say, I like this one better than that one. And they give a reason. Okay, now I understand you might like something more than you don't like something else, but you can't tell me that your opinion is equal to that person. It just doesn't make sense. Why don't you have six restaurants? Why don't you have 14 cookbooks? I, I, I don't know. You're lazy or you just don't want to? Probably because their expertise matters. So where have I seen this over the financial world? Look, uh, I'm going to show you here in, in just a second because I think this will shock you. Look, Eric, this is a little bit of a different show than normal. It is because the last couple of weeks have been leading up to this and I'm a little bit concerned Triple eight ninety nine retire. That's eight 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 nine nine seven three eight four seven. Triple eight ninety nine retire. That's eight 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 nine nine seven three eight four seven. Here's what my concern is. We are starting to see guilt over accomplishment because some of you reach the age of uh, sixty five, sixty two, sixty eight, whatever it is, seventy, and you say you're done working, you're retired, and sometimes. The amount of wealth or success that you have on accident or on purpose, meaning sometimes it's inheritance. Sometimes you just happen to pick a career that everybody else thought was valuable and they poured a lot of money in your direction and man, oh man, you made a couple of good choices and you bought a house by the beach and all of a sudden it's gone up in value as if you were that smart, you should have bought (laughs) two. But most of the time people have some sort of, I don't know. Involvement, guidance when it comes to their success. But the guilt over uh, accomplishments and success, it now manifests itself to that same generation that was in the 60s and 70s and the 70s and 80s and even the 80s and early 90s. You are the ones, in some cases really, responsible for a lot of the homeless stuff. Why? Because you gave them money. You come off the freeway off ramp. They hold some cheesy sign, and the sign says, "We'll work for food." And you say, "Oh, here's a dollar." And then that ran its course. And then you say, "Well, I really like this guy because he's at least he's honest, like the others aren't. At least he's honest." Well, well, what's what's he honest? We'll work for beer. Need money for beer. Oh, ha 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 ha! Here's a dollar. Well, some of you have heard me say this. Look, we we stopped a gentleman. When I was a Los Angeles police officer, I can tell you it was in 1991, because that's when I worked in West L.A. Division. Okay, I was a police officer for under 11 years, until a big car accident and a bunch of back and knee surgeries kind of retired me. But in 1991, I worked in West L.A. Division. Now, I was already a trader. I'd been a trader and an investor for probably three years at that time, three or four years, something like that. And so I knew what it took to make money. I didn't have a lot, but I was working at it, working at it, investing. I had some real estate. I was doing what I could, like everybody. And so we get a call right off of the uh, sunset off-ramp on the 405 freeway. And it says, lost adult, wandering in and out of traffic. Lost adult, wandering in and out of traffic. My heart, I had grandparents and parents. My heart sunk. So we need to get there. So we're stopped at the light, waiting for it to change, before we can get over to to that side of the road. And we look over and we see him. He's not really lost. At least it doesn't look like that because he's he has his movements are more deliberate. Right? He's not wandering in and out of traffic. All right. So we don't know what he's doing. It looks like he's begging for or people are at least handing him money. We don't know what's happening, but something's happening. So we pull over. We talk to him. Um, we always do a quick pat down to make sure because he he played that he didn't speak English very well. We did a quick pat down to see if in fact his uh, you know he had any uh, weapons or whatever. His pockets were bulging. We asked him what's in his pockets. He wouldn't speak. Huh. So finally, we do a quick pat check. No weapons. He takes stuff out of his pocket. We said, "You know what's in your pockets?" And he's emptying out 20s, 10s, and $50 bills. Now you know that if you're stopped with your Bugatti, or your S five hundred Mercedes waiting to go to Bel Air or Brentwood and you're pulling off the four or five freeway making a left or right on sunset, you know you're not asking for change. Just you're just probably not. So that means people are handing him money. Now, he wasn't at that intersection about two hours earlier because we had driven by, didn't see him. So he may have worked at another intersection or something. Not sure. But we do know that he had over $500 in his pocket, non-reportable, non-taxable American U.S. currency. And I thought, wow, go to the ghetto, go to the the San Fernando Valley, some parts where I grew up or went to school, and and go and ask them, hey, man, I have somebody, forget you, go get a job. That's what they'll tell you. (laughs) They probably would curse at you and say something you will want for beer. Really? When you get some, give me some. I'm not giving you anything. Why is it that the upper middle class, especially the liberal communities, think that it's okay to hand money to somebody for just existing? I exist, therefore I get. It has nothing to do with performance. Like, hey, can you clean up the backyard for me or or can you sweep up the front of my office building or can you paint or or take out the trash, right? There's a million jobs that lower skilled people can do for an honest day's wage. And if you want to give them a little tip, great, but at least they worked for it. So now fast forward, that same group that was making higher than income, uh, higher than average income now has higher than average assets when it comes to retirement. Not all of them. Right, Some are better, some are worse. You, you get the idea. Imagine that attitude of, I'm going to give something to somebody for just existing because I feel sorry for you. So I'm going to keep feeding the stray animal, Right, the stray animal returns. I'm going to give money to the homeless people so that they just, this is a business. Stand back and watch. Spend an afternoon. You'll have to do more than an hour because believe it or not, on some of these off-ramps, up and down the 405 freeway when I worked in the valley, They have shifts. They have shifts. (laughs) That means the lady with the wheelchair comes and then she gets up out of the wheelchair when the light turns and people are driving and a man in a wheelchair comes and sits down, you know, comes and sits in the wheelchair. And they just take turns. Well, today those people have retirement money and what do they do with it? If you have guilt, if you don't lack Uh, if you don't have that ability to believe you did something for the money or you deserve it because you deserve it. If you don't think that, then what, what do you do with your retirement money? Well, I'm going to tell you what my experience has been, what my observations in the last 23 plus years now, and what have we seen with our clients and what can you do to help protect some or part of your money? How do you keep some of it from the market? I need it to be there. Well, do you have to sell more shares just because the market is down? Many of you think you don't deserve the money, so you take risks that you shouldn't be doing. When we come back, we'll talk about the race. You're running the race. You're finished running the race. Why are you still running? All right, watch the Olympics and the trials that are coming up. Look at the track and field. It's one of my favorite uh, events in the Olympics. Summer Olympics especially, watching them run around the track. They pass the finish line and they'll jog for a little bit, cool down, and then they stop running. Well, this is the Olympics or the Pan Am Games or the trials leading up to the... Wait a second. These are people that are trying for the greatest, biggest events in their life. Why did they stop running? Well, because the race is over. Of course you stop running. So you guys are training for the biggest event of your life, financially speaking, which is retirement, you've accumulated enough money to make it last, stop running. Stop taking the risk. Yes, you had to work hard. Yes, you had to train hard. Yes, you had to run hard. And you made it. The race is over. Stop taking that risk. So I'm going to cover that when we come back. You're listening to me, Araf Hallaby, the Total Financial Hour. TFS Financial Insurance Services brings you on AM 870, The Answer, the total financial hour, 888-99-RETIRED. That's 888-997-3847. We'll be right back. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial Hour Now higher income strategies, Hey, welcome to the show. Thanks for staying with me. For those of you that returned, I appreciate it. Uh, We're talking about uh, a couple of things when it comes to the financial world. One of those is running the race. Uh, I want you to, to, to realize for a minute that the retirement world is like that race. Okay, so, so kind of visualize that for a minute, right? You're running hard, you're sacrificing, getting up in the morning, fighting the traffic, working out, doing all the stuff you're supposed to do. Total Financial Solutions brings you this show for a lot of reasons. We've done, uh, oh gosh, what are we, three, 15, 15 years, a little over 15 and a half years actually, coming up on 16 years of radio. Over 3,000 shows. And when I first started in radio, I thought, oh, I'm going to have six months. Six months is about what I can do. After that, I don't know what else I'm going to say. And sure enough, 3,000 plus radio shows later. And our goal is to really help you understand, to, to learn a little bit. Because I don't think too many other people, right? I don't think you're going to learn what you should have learned in high school. You're not going to learn that in any other place. And you say, well, what do you mean, Arif? What do you mean high school? I thought it's reading, writing, and arithmetic. Well, then don't tell people at age 18 they can sign their name for for a contract that lasts the rest of their life. Don't have people at age 18 sign their name to a student loan for a college or a career that they have no clue is going to ever make them the kind of money back. So, yeah, I think they should be learning this stuff in high school. At least be exposed to it to say, you know what, I have no clue what I'm doing. I'm okay with that. Right When I took quantum physics in high school, or I, I didn't understand it. So I backed out. I just took regular physics, right? Same thing, chemistry. Some things you're good at. Some things you say, well, you know what? At least I'm not going to be a chemist. Check that box. It's good to know how much you know about financial stuff or to at least encourage people to learn more. Instead, we tell people they're not responsible for stuff. And you realize somebody's going to have to pay for it. And then you hear that your union, it's all about making sure that you make more money. Make more money. And then in turn, the union turns around and charges fees based on a percentage. Well, if you don't know how math works, where the more you make, the more the union gets paid. So of course they want you to make more money because they get paid more money. If their dues are a part of a percentage, you have to know how percentages work. You all are playing the game. You understand that. If you accept a dollar or work for a dollar or give a dollar, you are playing the financial game. At least know the rules then. Or don't play. Right? Live in a bartering system. Go on a kibbutz. That can can smooth out the, the rough spots. Okay, we're talking about Retirement and some of the guilt that comes with it. What have I seen? I have seen time and again that as people were guilty when they were working and it manifests themselves with giving money to the homeless people, uh, that I don't mean, listen, I'm going to help a homeless shelter. That's different, right? Giving money to the person on the street, in my opinion, is like giving fire to the pyromaniac, right? Giving them a lighter. Why would you do that? Or giving, you might as well give crack cocaine to the crack addict or uh, a, a bottle of tequila to the alcoholic. I mean, do you get my do you get my drift here? If they don't know how to handle a dollar, why would you give them 5? Give money to the organizations that help them. I'm all for that. I promise you you'd have a lot less problems on the streets. Now maybe today we're past the no, the point of no return. I don't know. Maybe the collapse is the only other thing that's going to happen next. But when I see the guilt over the accomplishments in the regular day-to-day life, now it comes in retirement as people spend money in a crazy and reckless manner. Think of it this way. When you retire, you have a lifetime of Saturdays. Now, what does that mean? Simple. When you're working, when do you have time or the energy to spend money? Usually it's on Saturday, right? Maybe you would uh, go to church on Sunday or watch football or whatever your Your routine is. So Saturday is usually your day to get everything done. Your shopping, your... uh, Look at the grocery stores early Saturday mornings and you'll see a lot of people in there shopping early Saturday to get it out of the way, to be done with it. Look at the big box stores. Right They're middle of the morning, early morning, people are in there. It happens to be the day of the week that we spend the most amount of money, believe it or not. Now today... The, the Amazon and, and online and, and uh, shopping, if you will, eBay, that kind of stuff skews the numbers a little bit, right? It, it kind of tilts it towards one way or the other. However, still Saturdays on the, the, the brick and mortar, the big box, that is where we spend the most amount of money. So now imagine you're retired and what do you have? A lifetime of Saturdays. So if you didn't think you deserve the money, if you didn't think you're worthy of the money, if it's manifesting itself in spending reckless, crazy ways, and now you have unlimited time to spend money in a reckless and crazy way. And heck, if you can't do it, we'll come to you, says the internet and delivery, same day delivery. So if you don't have something else to occupy your time, then you're, you, you tend to make really bad decisions. And retirement is a very difficult, if not impossible thing that causes problems and and stress and relationships. If you're on the same page, my gosh, what a blessing. If you both are thinking the same, what a great experience. If you have something that occupies your time, and believe it or not, more importantly, if you've listened to a show even a couple weeks ago, something that satisfies the value or the purpose in your life. If you don't have that, then you're going to spend money in the wrong way, in my opinion. In our life, it will be spent in the form of money and stuff. That is how we get value and purpose. Add to it the lifetime of Saturdays, the convenience of online shopping, the ability for you to have more money than, than food shelter clothing, right? Today, the wealth of today is enormous. Right? Just a, a couple of decades ago, nothing in the history of mankind, 20 years. 30 years, poor meant something completely different. Today, organizations that quote, help the poor are struggling to find a message that you believe because they say they want to help the poor and you drive down and you see everybody from the illegal aliens that work on the street to poor people, to minorities, to, to, uh, young people. Everybody has a cell phone. And then you go into their homes and everybody has air conditioning. Now okay, maybe some don't, right? But if you're poor, you have carpet, you have one car. So the amount of folks that don't have carpet and air conditioning, a refrigerator, food, it's so minor, so few, and there are so many charity organizations trying to do I know I sat on the board of a food pantry. For a very long time, for a decade. The amount of people that don't have the basic needs are much, much fewer these days, today. Because if they want to work, there's 10 jobs before noon. Well, there, if it's different, you have to mail out your resume, you sit around and you wait. No, no, no. You go knocking on doors. And if you don't have the kind of skill where they're going to call you. Well, until they call you, you go wash dishes or you clean up the parking lot or you mow lawns or I don't care. It's what I did. It's what most of you did. Right? You feel guilty because you have wealth or success because you think it happened by accident. It did not for most of you. Now, some of you inherited it, but for most of you that earned it, don't feel guilty. You're the one that got up early. You're the one that Miss Christmas morning and you're the one that worked on the evenings and the 4th of July and right the holidays. You missed your daughter's recital. I get it. You did those things so that your family would have a chance. With the proper spouse that honors that, with the kids that appreciate it, maybe not at the time, but today you should have no uh, no worries that now you're retired. And you have a million or two or five. Or you have a half a million dollars with some great pensions. Nothing wrong with that. So I want you to have a level of, of confidence. Do you want to give it away? No problem. Do you want to donate it to charities? No problem. Do I think you should give it to people on the street? Big problem. Big problem. Because listen, you should still have an emergency account for yourself in retirement. Because what I think is important is you understand that things can still happen. So I am I'm okay with you taking care of others and charities. I think it's an obligation in fact. But what should you do in retirement? Retirement should still have an emergency account. So what does that look like? Well, here's my opinion, right? If if I was our pastor, then when he gives his opinion, he steps outside of the pulpit and he says, here's my my opinion. And when he's, he's the preacher, he gets back behind the pulpit. Here's my opinion. My opinion is that if you are in your 60s or younger, the chances of your pension, if you're collecting a pension or Social Security, the chances of you collecting that and it being less, so in other words, today they're giving you 5000 a month, I think before you pass away or your spouse passes away, I think that will be less money, meaning, hey, guys, we have 80%. So eight, 80% of 5000 is $4,000 a month. So you were getting 5000 a month. We're going to give you 4000 a month. I think that's more likely to be the scenario. And when that happens, you have to be okay with that. Right? You have to say, well, I'm okay with that. And if you're not, if you didn't build a financial mechanism in place, which is what we do, then then you're going to be struggling, right? I think that's a, that's a tough place to be. So should you still have an emergency account in retirement? Yes. What do I think? I think a year's worth of your expenses is probably a good thing. Whether it's some of your retirement money is set aside, it's not designated for income, it's just there for emergencies, that's one thing. Whether it's money that's set aside uh, each and every month, I think that is key. Because every month you should save, in my opinion, at least 10% from your income, right? You have your guaranteed income. It doesn't, it's not a race to try to spend the money. You already earned it. Sometimes people think their credit card statements are a goal, right? You have a 5,000 limit. It's not, not a limit. It's a goal. Have it spent by the weekend. Okay. <laughs> right. So you're, the, the amount of income that comes in, it's not a goal to try to spend it all. Because right off the bat, you have to pay taxes, maybe they withhold or don't, but you should always have some money set aside, I think 10% of your pay, this is my opinion, 10% of your pay that you receive in the front door should go into a savings account. And it's still a must for financial stability. Now, this is an addition to the annual or semi-annual expenses that you should still have money set aside for, like car insurance and Christmases, uh, presents, birthday presents, uh, Hanukkah, property taxes... Things that you say, look, I know that December 25th is Christmas. I just know it's going to happen. And the end of the year, probably sometime is Hanukkah for the next and for the last thousands of years and probably going forward. So you know it's coming. How much do you want to spend per child or per person? You put it into an account and each month you save. So it's already there. And you're doing it not just through your savings accounts, but maybe some of your, your retirement money. Because here's what happens. I don't care how much money you have. If you don't manage a dollar right, and I give you $10, you're not going to manage that properly. There's no difference. It's the same thing that I see when I have clients that say, I have three kids. Uh, I'll give you a good example. Somebody was a, a behind the scenes Hollywood person and they were a client. In other words, they're Uh, their husband was a producer, creator, director of of different things in Hollywood. So she was in her mid-70s, comes to me as a client. She says, I have three sons. One of them is a drug addict. One of them is a great person. One of them has a great job. All is good. The one that has a great job also has a wife that's a greedy, very materialistic person, very vindictive, calls me up and says, if I don't give him $10,000, I'm not going to be able to see the grandkids. Oh, that's kind of evil. And then the other person is a great person, works hard, has two jobs, blah, blah, blah. Okay. So, Eric, I want to leave the same amount of money the same way to everybody. I said, ma'am, this is your money. You can do whatever you want, including leave it to nobody. Right? You can... Give it to a church, charity, to a dog rescue. You could do whatever you want. But I can tell you from my experience, both in law enforcement and now as a financial person for two decades, that if you do that, you will probably kill that man who is a drug addict. No question about it. And that is not something you want to do, I'm sure. So why don't you speak with the lawyer and see if he or she could set up a trust or some sort of a mechanism to make sure that that person, your, your youngest or oldest, whoever it is, that's the drug addict, supposedly was recovering at the time, but I don't know. Let's see if you could set up a trust or some sort of a payment method so that his food, his shelter, his clothing is taken care of forever, as opposed to giving him 800000 and have him spend it all tomorrow. Right? Because that's what it was. Each one of them was going to receive around $800,000. A guy who couldn't keep a job or manage $5,000, now you're going to give that person eight hundred. Do you think that person will spiral out of control? Well, the good news or bad news, however you look at it, to the story is, this is about seven years ago. So I can tell you the end of the story. And it was exactly the way we said it was going to happen. She couldn't bring herself to, quote, favor one child or the other. And I'm telling you, it's not a favor. You're actually doing them a favor, right? Child, you can have this money paid directly to a rehab center if you go in. Minimum rehab, I don't know, making this up, three months. And then a halfway house afterwards or a sober living house, you know, three months. And then... And then after two years of being sober, then we'll talk about with the trustee or the lawyer whether or not you get the rest of the money. Uh, You could create anything like that you want. Pick the numbers, adjust the characters, whatever you want to do. But the key is, one of them has already demonstrated that the money that they care about more than anything in the world is his money. At least he managed that properly. The money that the, the drug addict's son cared about the most should be his own effort, his own money. And he didn't care about it. So how much less will he care about your money? So my point is, when you meet with your trust attorneys, your lawyers, and I listen, there's a lot of good attorneys and they do good work, but in my opinion, work with the specialist. I don't want the same attorney who does divorces and car accidents, and by the way, do this trust that is a little bit complicated or has a lot of moving parts, but I'm sure you can figure it out because after all, you're a lawyer. Really? Oh, you're the same uh, doctor who handles my podiatry, my family practice, uh, and I need brain surgery. Can you do that while you're here? Oh yeah. I read about it in a book 14 years ago and I did it for somebody six years ago while I was kind of the assistant of the assistant. Okay. Really? I walked in the room when they were doing it, but listen, it's the same thing I can totally figure it out because I'm a doctor. You wouldn't do that. So my opinion when it comes to attorneys is work with a specialist in the field in which you need their help because the same attorney may not be a specialist in every field. They might be great at one thing, but not at something else. Okay. So if you're developing something for a family, because the, the other person who, uh, the other son who had the wife that was a greedy son of a gun, Right, I mean, I can't imagine—is it not evil, you guys, to say you're not going to, unless she gives you ten thousand dollars, you're not going to allow your child, your your, your the grandkids to see their grandmother? That's—I think that's evil. I don't know if a better word. Maybe there's something else you can think of, but for me, that's that's kind of crummy, right? So I wouldn't have given them the money up front either, because surprise, here's what happened. I told you it was seven years ago, so here's the rest of the story. Ready? They remodeled the house, she got some cosmetic surgery, and wait for it, she left him, got to keep the house, and he had to move out, but it's okay, it was remodeled, and at least it's the way she wanted it, (laughs) and her boyfriend, you know, he's happy too, because the cosmetic surgery. Look, you guys, this is important, you understand. If you give a bad person a little bit of money, they can make a little bit of damage. They can do a little bit of problem. Fine. They make problems, little damage. Give a bad person lots of money and they will do lots of bad things. It's the same thing with power, right? Your fast food restaurant, they control your order. Yeah, they're jerks, but not big. Now make them a manager. Now a supervisor. Now a director. It's the same thing with police officers, right? When I worked with police officers, if there was a jerk who was a police officer and then you made him or her a sergeant, surprise, they were a bigger jerk. Surprise, lieutenant, bigger jerk. You know it, you've seen it. So the point is with money is it doesn't change. It makes people more of what they are. So you have worked hard for your money. Don't feel guilty. Don't think your kids deserve it it is a it is a gift from you to them and that gift is amazing and i hope you give it to them and i hope that they deserve it and i hope they do amazing things with it but you have the right the authority in fact i would say the obligation to evaluate each one of them individually and say this person no problem this person i don't like their spouse because they're going to take the money they're all money motivated they're going to do some bad things so Speak with an attorney and set up a a mechanism where the money stays separate or whatever. The key is for you to understand that each of your children are different, right? Some of them aren't as dramatic as drug addict and crazy, crazy spouse. Some of them are just different. She's never kept a dollar in her life. She makes 10, spends 11, makes 500, spends 505. Okay. Okay. Well, you're not going to treat that same person. Look at the talents, right? The gift of the talents in the Bible. You can find it in many religious texts, so whatever you happen to to look for. And you'll find a couple of really important things. One of those is how do we create a mechanism in you in you, and in your, in your family so that your legacy lasts forever? Well, that's what we're here for. Guys, I'm going to finish up. I want to give you a couple of things. Here's our phone number, triple eight ninety nine retire Okay, reach out to me. Maybe I can help. Triple eight ninety nine retire Eight 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 nine nine seven three eight four seven. 997 3847 And give me a call anytime this week, anytime uh, even today. The the phones are on if you have a question. If I can help you, be my pleasure. You guys have a wonderful week. God bless you. And thanks for listening to the Total Financial Hour. I'm Eric Halliby. On AM 870 the answer. Learn from Alabama.